Good morning, everybody. Great to have your company here on the Big Sports Breakfast. Jared Middleton having a couple of days off. Ben Way in the chair alongside Michael Clark and Laurie Daly. So much sport to discuss. The fallout from Super Bowl continues. As much discussion about the celebrations as there was the game itself. But I'm sure plenty of you enjoyed yourselves on Monday. Rugby League, well, maybe we spoke a little bit too soon. We got the off-field controversy that... A few craved and others were surprised we hadn't had as yet. And now the discussion continues on that front as two players wonder whether their Vegas dream has in fact ended a little bit early. In terms of other news across the sporting world, Tiger Woods has launched his rival sports brand, having left Nike recently. And that has been a huge discussion point and I'm sure a popular one for those who are keen golfers out there and the grieving continues in Kenya with one of the greatest athletes we've ever seen three of the top five fastest marathons of all time of course going the way of Kelvin Kipton and he tragically died a couple of days ago in an accident now his father's come out saying that he got a surprise visit from four men the day before the accident and he doesn't believe it was an accident at all so A few updates on that front as well. Just speculation at this stage. But one thing we do know for sure, the primary aspect to that is that we've lost a young star at 24. But from an Olympic side of things, we have been robbed of maybe one of the great rivalries in Paris this year because we have two of the greatest marathon runners of all time that we're supposed to to meet. And that will no longer be the case with Kelvin Kipton, unfortunately, passing away a couple of days ago. Laurie Daly, Michael Clark alongside me, as I mentioned. Loz, happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, same to you guys. Um, I hope everyone out there is uh, sharing it with their partner, if they have a partner. Uh, and if they don't, go and look for one today, eh? <laughs> are you a... Are you a <laughs> I reckon it would be a good day to strike, actually. <laughs> are you, are you no, a believer? I'm, no, I'm right. not. Ben, no, I, I've just celebrated a wedding anniversary about three weeks ago. Yes, um, that's so, right. So I spent a lot of money then. So today <laughs> they won't be getting me again. Um, look, I take my hat off to people that celebrate Valentine's Day. They're in the early stages of the relationship, obviously. Uh, but as I said, um, look, if, you, if it floats your boat, go and do it. Um, I tell you what you can never underestimate. You can never underestimate doing good things t- with your partner on a day like today. I'm not saying that I do it. <laughs> but what I'm telling you is I've learnt over time. Do as I time, say, not as I do. Learnt over time. If you give them flowers or a box of chocolates or something. A small they, gesture. A small gesture. Mm. A small gesture. Uh, instead, I'm meeting a mate for a bottle of lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm doing today. Happy Valentine's Day to you too, Clarky. Mm, morning, boys. Happy Valentine's. Yeah, morning to our listeners. Uh, Any tips? On Valentine's Day? Mm. Nah, just it's a... It's a, what day is it? Wednesday. It's another day, Loz. Have you been a Valentine's Day present giver? Yes, in certainly. The past? Certainly, yeah. I'm um I'm a big fan of Christmas, birthday, Easter, Valentine. I, yeah, I, any opportunity uh, to celebrate the day to do something different. Yeah, I'm a fan of it. So uh, I'll be quiet today, though. Boys, that's for sure. I'll be uh, actually. I'm off to the physio. I got a stiff neck. I've woken up with. Stiff neck. Right. So I don't know what's happened in my sleep. Are you a front yeah. sleeper? I'm a stomach, yeah, stomach sleeper mm. with head on one side, on either side. I'm not selective what But see, side. that's the drama. Oh, see, I'm a front sleeper. Seems to be okay sleeper. for 42 years. But, but you've got a bung back as well. Yeah. It's bad for your back, bad for your hammies. Actually, it's better for my back. Laying on my stomach is better for my back because it puts me in extension. Mm. So if I'm even laying, if my back's playing up, I'll be laying on the floor watching television, like up in extension. So anyway, I'll be off to the physio. I'll be fixed. I'll be good to go. Um, Aussies got dusted last night in the 2020 World Under the West Indies. Uh, Davey Warner, geez, he's still, uh, he's still in good nick. He's still playing good cricket. But he's made it clear that that would be his last game on Australian soil as well. Um, at the international level. At the international level, yeah. So I think he'll play he'll play twenty twenty junket now for, for a few years. Go and play in all the domestic competitions, make plenty of money and uh, a lot less pressure, that's for sure. He caused a little bit of a stir when he essentially dictated when he was going to retire from mm. test cricket. And I see that he's done the same 
with T20s. Now mm. said that I would like to play in the T20 World Cup. Uh, the US and the West Indies hosting that in a little while. So um, I kind of respect it in many respects, but it does now add pressure uh, to selectors that that's his wish. And, yeah. and, and while and you're making runs, you can say what you want. Like the selectors have got to keep He made 170 across three games. That's exactly He's finished right. with 80. That's exactly He is our form opener. He so. can say what he likes. Uh, they're not going to drop him now. There's two 2020s in New Zealand before the T20 World Cup. He's going to be a part of that. Um, you know, I think the conversation around him announcing his retirement in England um, and not making the runs he would have liked in Test cricket and the selectors still giving him that that chance. Um, that was the conversation. But around T Twenty, uh, he's definitely going to be a part of that World Cup campaign now. Um, and yeah, I watched a little bit of the start of the cricket and then I turned it off. Bored. I started watching. Well, I started watching a, a show on. Um, yeah, Apple TV. There wasn't many people there. So, so I started watching it, and then I switched it over just to check the score at the end. Mm. I couldn't believe they made six for 220. Oh, mate. <laughs> um, they were three for three 17 for, yeah, at one many, stage, yeah. and then yeah, they Andre were Russell was 80 off 29 or something. Yeah, he yeah. belted them. Yeah. But he, he, can, he can do that. Yeah. The West Indies, as a general rule, can do that. Well, that's it, their format. Yeah. That's yeah. That, they've got the power. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a big win for them. And again, it's... You know, it'll give them a lot of confidence going into a home World Cup. You know, the World Cup's in the Caribbean, in America. Um, they're known for their 2020 cricket now. Um, but, yeah, I, I, again, Australia's team, they were nowhere near full strength. No. Um, and I don't think uh, the series was over, so I think they were pretty relaxed last night. So, yeah, well, like, again, it's still a win for the West Indies. Mm. They'll take confidence, but I don't think I don't think the Aussies will bother too much about it. We we often go to these New Zealand tours off the back of an Australian summer. So by that point, uh, Australian fans have kind of had their fix and we don't discuss them too much. Mm. But it always looks like one of the greatest places you could ever play cricket. Oh, New Zealand, I, I reckon, is one of the greatest countries in the world. I, I love going there. Um, it's so close to Australia. I, I reckon you, you don't. there's not many better people in the world. Kiwis are absolute mm. champions, I reckon. Great culture, uh, great people to be around. And, and the cricket's always competitive, but they are they are wonderful people to play against and have a beer with afterwards as well. So, it, And it's always a tough tour. I, I think New Zealand, in all sports, punch above their weight. Um, they'll be tough in their own backyard in the Test mm. Series. The T20s, uh, I'm not sure. I'm sure what, I haven't thought too much about the T20s, but through this Australian summer in the Test Series, you know, I, I watched a, a bit of New Zealand play, obviously watching the Aussies as well. I think I think we're in for some really good Test cricket. Mm. New Zealand get it right. They got, they've generally got very good plans against the Australian batting lineup, and they've got a bit of experience through their batting as well. Someone like Kane Williamson, he'll be really looking forward to facing this Australian attack where... You know, West Indies coming out here, they would have been fretting facing the, facing the Australian attack. So I think that's the other thing. They've got plenty of experience in that New Zealand team. So I, I hope we see a really good test series. That ball will swing around. There's generally a little bit of movement in New Zealand on, on those pitches as well. Uh, pitches are slower to Australia, so the Aussies will have to adapt. But, yeah, I think they'll be tough. It's a nice balance, isn't it? Because they're often small ovals. Yeah, over there as well, yeah. but they nip around a little bit. Uh, in terms of guests, guys, we've got a pretty big show coming up. Dick Fain's on. We haven't had the luxury of chatting to him since the Super Bowl, so that's going to be great. Adam Pengilly's on a little bit later on. You're in charge of the NRL preview. Parramatta's turn this week. Yeah, the Eels. So one of the big uh, disappointments last season. So let's see how they go this year. They've certainly got a squad good enough to, um, to play finals this year, uh, but a lot will depend on, you know, keeping their key players on the field, in particular their, their halves, Moses and mm. Dylan Brown. I heard Jared Middleton have a little bit of a drive-by to our friend Dean Bulldog Richie yesterday. Apparently a week or so ago, Bulldog wrote an article saying we hadn't had an no off-field controversy. So I'm looking forward to Bulldog coming on the show. And he, so he's, also, <laughs> he's also written an article suggesting that Patrick Mahomes has been invited to attend the NRL showcase in Vegas. So I would love it if he went. That would be... Yeah, but, mate, so's, so's the king. Hey, hey, hey. So's Elvis. Like, <laughs> because of being invited, how many things do you reckon he gets invited to? I'm just referencing mate, this article. I'm like, looking forward. If the like NRL you. hasn't invited anyone famous, Taylor Swift's been invited, invited as well. Doesn't mean they're going. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to discussing right. the likelihood with Bulldog later on. Oh, you can dear. punch holes in his story. I'm not. <laughs> Lauren Nicholson's in, the Sydney Flames star. Davo's going to be on as well. Uh, speaking of Davo and tips, I saw a heap of tips come through from an angle last night. Only one lobbed. Of all of the texts that came through, one lobbed. Uh, it was well supported, though. $4 into $1.70. Mm. We actually got a phone call yesterday for Wheels. And Wheels tipped us into a horse called, I think it was Solero. And it ran a place. He said to back it each way, paid $5 for a place. Ooh. Okay. So he Well was done, Wheels. Wheels, well done. Yep. He, uh, he was tipping that yesterday. And Tommy was on the program yesterday and talked about his uh, rides at Hawkesbury there yesterday. And a couple of them saluted. Lovely. So well done to Tommy as well. Well, he gave a good push for one that's running around today on the Kenzo track, a baby as well. So we'll keep an eye yep. on that a little bit later on today. So Cameron George is on as well, the New Zealand Warriors CEO. We've got Mitch Manners to talk Gold Coast and all the racing they have up there. Of course, the text line is open. And send us your thoughts, 0419767272. I did... One discussion I want to have today, given it's Valentine's Day, is irrational loves, irrational sporting loves. It can be moments, it can be athletes, just things you could watch on repeat for days on end and you still wouldn't grow sick of it. It might be India losing six for zip, which I could watch on repeat. It could be Ryan Harris, Ryan Harris, that opening delivery to Alistair Cook. What a jaffer that was. just swung in a touch, kissed the pitch, mm. went away and took mm. his off stump. Mine wouldn't be cricket. No? I've got to say, no. no. Mm. I've probably got two athletes that stand out in my mind that I could watch their highlights day after day after day. And they one won't surprise you, one might. Okay. We'll get yours <laughs> a little bit later on. Loz, I haven't given you the heads up, so it's a little bit unfair to come to you. Yeah, p- plenty of headlines around the sporting world this morning, most of which circle around the Super Bowl and that man, Patrick Mahomes. As I mentioned, that does dominate the back page of the Daily Telegraph, albeit Clarkie's not a believer, but I oh, can't I wait it. to have Bulldog on a little it. bit later on to discuss that story. Uh, re-enter the Dragon. There's a little bit of discussion about uh, a, a full circle journey in rugby league, and I did see a couple of humble brags come through, by the way, on our text line from people who sent through tips Overnight, including Wheels. Well done to you. We did reference Wheels and his success. He said, happy Valentine's Day, lads, and good morning to you. I hope you all took the fat odds on offer for Solero yesterday. Great run in a PB time for her, and we'll see you on Saturday night. Loz, looking forward to a few cordials and a chat. Sounds like that's going to be a big night. Yeah, well, um, I haven't been to Menangle races. I've been out there a number of times. We've done OBs out there, but mm. I've never been there for a race meeting. So looking forward to it on Saturday night. But that paid $5, Solero, for a, a place yesterday. Leilua. Leilua to, back to the Dragons. A believer? We saw the news yesterday. Oh, he's, a good player. For a... he's a really good player. And when you look at the North Queensland Cowboys, and we spoke to their assistant coach, Justin Morgan, yesterday, I actually asked him about the edge back rowers mm. because there's there's a plethora of them. And uh, one or two of them possibly may not have got a start in the in the team, um, in the squad of 17 this year. So, uh, you know, they've got Lukey, they've got uh, Nenai, uh, Finny Fuiaki uh, is a young guy coming off contract too. And he'll be heavily chased. And I think there's been some big money offers already for him. Um, so they'll be looking to re-sign him. So they're obviously freeing up some salary cap space. But uh, if the Roosters, and by all reports, they're in the box seat to sign him, that'd be a good pick-up for them. Adds a bit of size and experience to their forward. The though. Roosters? No, the, the um, Dragons. Yes. Yep. Uh, in terms of the Cowboys and the impact that it has on them? Mm, depth. I think depth is the, is the key. Uh, Leilua, as I said earlier, I, look, he might have been in the starting side or may not have, um, may have been in the 17, may not have. He was one of those players that on his day, he's very good, uh, but he can have his moments throughout his footy career where he's just a little bit inconsistent. But with the back rows they have at their disposal at the moment and they're, you know, they've got youth on their side um, and they want to wrap them up now for... A long period of time, they can all be, you know, ten, fifteen year players at this club. So I, I reckon they've made that a prior priority to sign those three 
long term and release Leilua. So the other rugby league chatter this morning regards an Instagram post that was by all reports, and we can only trust what Josh says, it sounds as though he's accidentally liked a, a post that was racially charged on Instagram targeting uh, NRL star Latrell Mitchell. Now, I've got no reason not to believe him. It's actually very doable to be reading a story, to see a post, Definitely. to not even see the post, just have your phone active in your pocket. Um, it feels to me as though it's a little bit of a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, assuming, Look, I, I, I of course, what he's telling us yeah, is true. I, I don't know how to scroll and select and like. I don't think I've ever done that in my life. Yeah. Um, but I've heard you talk about yeah, you just double, Instagram. Double, you just see someone tap. and you go, bang. I'll you show like you now. It. So you, you just see someone's is. name come up. So I'm assuming he's telling the truth. If you see a, if you see, I a doubt story, whether he'd be racially abusing Latrell. Exactly. Yeah. If you see a story, and if I there's a like, there's a love heart like there, you yeah. can click on that to like it. Or if I just double click, that also likes the photo as well. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it happens regularly, very easily and regularly. Yeah, and, and the other thing as well, like I think it's very different. You know, liking something, like I say, it, you could do that, mate. You you can actually just scroll through your phone and like because the people you follow, you, you might just like their, their 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 whatever they've posted without even looking at it. Just it's what you do. Yeah. Like it, like it, like it. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Very different doing that versus posting something yourself. If you're gonna gotta stop, look at what you're sending. I think yeah. I think I think that would be different if somebody's mm. sending something themselves. That's a lot different to just liking a photo. Yeah, no, I, I, I could imagine that's a mistake. Yeah. After listening to what yeah. you've said in the past. Oh, it happens, mate, so what easy. It, what it is, you, you just sort of see someone's photo and you go, yeah, yeah. I like that. Or the, you could reading. be, if you're scrolling, let's yeah. say you're scrolling up on the phone, you could, as your fingers go, like you're scrolling up, you could accidentally press it. You can see how you press something twice or touch the screen twice. Yep. Happens all the time. So a couple of suggestions have already come through regarding things that you love, not necessarily unnecessarily, but irrationally in sport. It can be an athlete. It could be a moment. Something I could watch all day. This one from Cribby Jr. at Warhope. Something I could watch all day is Trent Hodkinson breaking the origin streak in 2014, <laughs> yeah. breaking through Queensland's defence and giving Laurie a lifelong job coaching the Blues for the next few years. It wasn't quite lifelong. No, it wasn't lifelong. <laughs> <laughs> I think a couple of years is lifelong in rugby league yeah. when you get the full support of the board. <laughs> uh, Fabian, uh, I do know what you mean, but I'm going to pretend I don't. Morning Boys, the thing I could sit and watch on repeat is that scene in Basic Instinct. I think the quicker we move on, the better. Manly's 2008 grand final. I must say, as a, as a Crows man, I could sit and watch... I could sit and watch Adelaide's 1997 grand final win and Darren Jarman going ballistic over and over again. I reckon number one, mm. if you did a survey, would be Shane Warne's delivery to Mike Gatting. You yes. could have watched that yeah. every day for the rest of your life. If you've got any interest in cricket, that delivery you could watch over and over and over. And the closer you watch it, the better it gets. That's exactly right. And the response to the delivery. Yeah. From Gatting. From Gatting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there have been, this is an odd question, but do you think there have been better deliveries that were handled Never. better by batsmen? Never. Or you think it Never. was just categorically? Never. It is. When you say that ball was unplayable, that delivery was unplayable. The closest one I've seen to that was Ryan Harris getting Alistair Cook, but mm. Ryan Harris has hit a crack. It did. It hit a, hit a crack, brand new ball. Uh, so Rockard bore it, that was unplayable as well, but that hit a crack. Warnies didn't hit a crack. Warnie well, got that into a out. foot mark, mate. You no way. You can't no, get no, one foot mark. It was the first innings of the game. What got Gadding out was the drift. Before mm. the ball even bounces, Gadding is lost. It, it's, it, it bowls the ball outside off. It drifts to outside leg. It drifted a meter. 
You know what? Then I hate? hit the pitch and spun and took the bail. I hate that every comparison to that. Don't you reckon? Every oh, time they go, not, oh, this reminds not even me close. of Warnies. It's never similar. It is that word where you say it from, is unplayable. For a man who said his moment wasn't yeah. cricket. No, it's not cricket. It's, it's, no way. I wouldn't watch that. Passion. I'm sick of watching you know, that. You know who I reckon would have unplayable deliveries? Mitchell Stark. If you went through his oh, best, yeah. his Good best wickets, I'm telling you, no yeah, one Jaffers. would. Yeah. Yep, they would be. Yeah, the, true. the best balls you've ever seen. The yeah. That over to McCullum in the oh. World Cup final where he beat the speed, bat movement. Yeah, mate, there's no way anyone's touching At that. best you're getting a broken toe so. and getting out LBW. Yeah. Yeah. Peter yeah. Siddle's hat-trick yeah. on his birthday has been another yeah, suggestion brilliant. just come through, which was absolutely fantastic. And I think Tubby's commentary of it. I'm pretty sure it was Mark Taylor. Yeah. Uh, certainly made the moment as well. Great to have your company on the Big Sports Breakfast Laurie Daly, Michael Clark, and myself, Ben Way, taking you through the morning in Gerald Middleton's absence. There's so much other sporting news we haven't discussed as yet, and Dick Fane will be on the line very shortly to talk all things American sport, including, of course, the fallout from the Super Bowl. But on an NBA front, a couple of results. Wembenyama posted a triple-double, 27 points, 14 rebounds, 10 blocks, as the Spurs beat the Raptors, 122-99. The Timberwolves beat the Clippers, 121-100. That was a pretty important game in terms of the context of the Western Conference. The 76ers ended the Cavs' good run. Their run ends at 9, a dramatic 123-121 win there. And the Knicks, this was the most painful defeat you would see. Up against the Houston Rockets, there was a foul by Jalen Brunson with 0.3 left on the clock, which gave Holiday three free throws to win the game and ultimately did so. Clay Thompson and Steph Curry led the Golden State Warriors to a 129-107 win against the Utah Jazz as well, and DeMar DeRozan starred for the Bulls as they claimed victory as well up against the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, other news, former England manager Sven Goran Eriksson is going to join a Liverpool Legends management team for a charity game at Anfield against uh, Ajax in March. And then at Tiger Woods, I did mention it, guys. He's got a, a brand out now, Sunday Red. Not Sunday, one word. Sunday, two words. I can't really explain that, but Sunday Red. Well, I'll guarantee you, I reckon he'll do very well out of it, Ben. There you go. <laughs> If he's, quitting, if he's quitting Nike to oh, do what he's doing, I, exactly yeah, he's, uh, I would imagine there's guaranteed income there, Loz, yes, <laughs> if I he's walking so. away from Nike. And you watch how many people start to buy his gear. Yep. They say we don't put our heads on the chopping block on this show. Mm. Laurie mm. Daly predicts Tiger Woods merchandise to do well. I don't think money's a, uh, an issue for no. Tiger. If you're willing to turn down $800 million, to go to live, yeah, I reckon he's got plenty. I'm loving some of the suggestions coming through. So, irrational loves when it comes to sport, moments or people. John Aloisi's penalty to send the Socceroos to the World Cup. I won't elaborate on the rest, Sammy from Collaroy, but you did make me chuckle. I could watch Anna Kournikova and Gabriella Sabatini all day, every day. Hatchie from the Heights, I assume he's respectful of their tennis abilities and I completely agree Hatchie they were absolute stars in their day uh, Messi highlights in football his dribbles goals passes etc from hopeful Tiger Mark Coyne and the miracle try that sank the Blues and went through a dozen sets of hands there were plenty of suggestions on a rugby league front any stand out to you Loz? Uh, oh look if I could relive one I think it would be the 89 grand final the Raiders and the Tigers, the one we were in, oh, I was involved in, uh, the Raiders' first ever premiership. That was pretty special. I think that's probably, I reckon that'd be the best moment I've had in the game. In terms of that feeling straight away mm. after a game, mm. it was just quite special. And you could never replicate it. Went on and won a couple more, but you never replicate that, that first, first one. one yeah. yeah, different. Greg Murphy's lap of the gods at Bathurst, the fact that it remained the quickest lap for seven years in a period where cars evolved that much just shows how elite it was. Diego Maradona got a mention. Pat Richards got a suggestion. Uh, there were plenty of others come through. And some questions for Dick Fane, who has been good enough to join us. And I tell you what, what a game we had as we went to OT and the Super Bowl was ultimately decided heading the way of the Chiefs and that man, the inevitable Patrick Mahomes, claiming yet another win. Dick, did it live up to the expectation? 
Oh, I think it certainly did. I mean, the, the first half was a, was a snoozer. I don't think there's any question about that. Folks turning in, tuning into NFL football for the first time this year, the first time in a while, uh, probably didn't get uh, what they were anticipating in that first half. But uh, the, the adjustments made by Andy Reid in that second half, the fact that he had the confidence in his team to actually hold back plays. You know, he hold, held back some special plays including uh, the long Patrick Mahomes run, uh, a designed run for Patrick Mahomes on fourth down when he hadn't run a designed run, and I don't even know how long. Um, they, they treated him more like Lamar Jackson on that play than Patrick Mahomes, and it worked to perfection. And then the final touchdown in overtime to, to Nicole Hardman. I mean, that was a play that uh, they just completely fooled San Francisco on. Yes, it was Mahomes making a nice play, but Mahomes' best plays were prior in that draft, in that drive. That was an Andy Reid special right there that got it done. And uh, he just outcoached Kyle Shanahan once again in the uh, fourth quarter in overtime. Uh, Dick, surely now Patrick Mahomes is, is number two behind Tom Brady. I think so. Um, there are people still talking about yeah. Joe Montana, and I yep. think Joe Montana's got four. Patrick Mahomes has three. But I think at this point in his career, I mean, Patrick Mahomes has nine years yep. to get his fourth in order to uh, be able to do it faster than uh, Joe Montana, Tom Brady. And, uh, you know, he is, he is very well on his way potentially to number one. I put him right now at number two on my all-time list. And I was a big Joe Montana fan when I was growing up, and I have tremendous amount of respect for what uh, Joe Montana did, he was uh, shown in the uh, in the Super Bowl broadcast uh, on the on the sidelines in that uh, game on Sunday. So whether you have Patrick Mahomes two or three, you know we're, we're splitting hairs at this point. But if Mahomes wins it again and Hetgen gets to four, he will absolutely eclipse Joe Montana because he's just a better overall talent than Joe Montana was. They do say that history is written by the victors, and that's certainly the case when it comes to the two coaches, uh, Andy Reid, uh, quite understandably getting most of the plaudits. That said, I I do feel as though uh, you can feel a little bit aggrieved. If you're a Niners fan, and particularly the Niners coach, uh, I didn't think he had that bad a game, but it's going to reflect poorly on him based purely on the result. One question I wanted to ask you about was that final play you mentioned on the corn dog play so am I right in hearing that it is the exact same play they won to win the Super Bowl the year prior and is that one of the great faux pas to not be aware of <laughs> given they'd done it before yeah, it's very similar no question about it uh, I think I want to say if I remember correctly the other one went the other the other way but uh, it was very very similar uh, obviously to a different receiver but Andy Reid, you know, keeping those plays in his back pocket. And I think that just shows the confidence he has in his team. He's like, you know, we're down 10 points. No big deal, right? We talked about it on uh, right before the game when I came on. I said, who's going to have the pressure when San, when San Francisco's up by 10? It's not going to be Kansas City. They're, they're fine being down double digits in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes now has three Super Bowls where he has come back from 10 point or more deficits that had only happened four times before in the history of the Super Bowl. And Patrick Mahomes, with one more 10-point comeback in the Super Bowl, he will have as many as the rest of the quarterbacks in Super Bowl history. So Andy Reid keeps those things in his back pocket until the end, where I think some other coaches, they're like, hey, I got this play. I know that's going to work. They bust it out early. Uh, because they don't know if they're going to have that opportunity in the end or they feel they might be down too much and it, it's not going to work uh, or it's not going to be uh, effective. Andy Reen has got full confidence in his ability, full confidence in his quarterback's ability. And I agree with you on Kyle Shanahan. There's been games that Kyle Shanahan has blown. 2020, I felt like he blew. Um, I, I think he needed to run the ball more. Obviously, when he was the offensive coordinator of the Falcons, he completely blew that game. Uh, this one... It was a well-coached game by Kyle Shanahan. It was a well-played game by Brock Purdy. They just saw a team that had a better quarterback and a better coach just outperform them down the stretch. Not that they did a bad job, because I don't think either one of those two did a bad job. Well, a lot of people on our text line, Dick, are not sort of talking about um, Mahomes as much being the MVP. They're talking about the special teams being yeah. the difference. Well, that's been uh, that's been a bugaboo for San Francisco in, in years past, and it uh, it bit them here. I mean, you talk about that mixed, missed extra point by Moody. 
Um, we probably, uh, you know, Kansas City would have had to gone for a touchdown instead of a field goal near the end there. Uh, had that field goal been, uh, that extra point been made. Now, give it to Moody. He kicked two very long field goals in that game. And, uh, you know, one of them was, at the time was the longest field goal in Super Bowl history. So overall had a, had a pretty good game. Um, but that extra point was pivotal. And then, of course, the fumble on the punt. I mean, that just changed. You just felt the momentum of the entire football game swinging on that play right there. And it took, what, Kansas City one play to convert on it. It's amazing, isn't it, Dick? There's so many moments in a Super Bowl that, that go unnoticed and get missed when a team wins. Because I reckon one of the big stories out of the game would have been if Kansas City lost was a confrontation on the sideline mm-hmm. between Kelsey and Andy Reid. No question. Um, and boy, you talk about the, uh, the the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey. I mean, everything. It's all a happy ending, right? Because they, they won. Had they lost, you uh, would have seen that Travis Kelsey screaming at Andy Reid photo and the video 100%. of him bumping Andy Reid. You would have seen that for years and years had Kansas City lost that football game. And he would have had to answer to it. He really didn't have to answer to it after this game because they won. And he just went up and... Uh, talked about how great Andy Reid was and uh, what a great leader and a great coach he was. Now, we'll probably get the NFL Films audio of that. So the story's not over. NFL Films usually comes out a week later with all the key plays in the Super Bowl, and they've got all those players on the sidelines mic'd up. So we'll find out exactly what Travis Kelsey said to Andy Reid. But, uh, you know, it's uh, He looked surprised, Andy didn't he, Andy well. Reid? Sorry, Dick. He, he looked did. surprised. And he, he actually, it was, a, it was a heavy push too, I thought. It was. It was quite a bump. There's no question about that at all. I thought for a second there that uh, he might topple over. I mean, 65 years of age and, uh, uh, you know, but he held his ground. And, you know, that that's one that that we would have remembered for all time had Kansas City lost. It was a bad look for Travis Kelsey. Um, he's thrown his helmet a couple times before on the sidelines. He does. He obviously has a bit of a bit of an anger problem, but uh, whatever it did, it, it motivated him because he had one catch for one yard in the first half of that football game. One catch for one yard, and he ended the game with nine catches for 93 yards. Now, he didn't get into the uh, the end zone like I would have liked to see him get in the end zone, but he surpassed both of his overs in receptions and yards, so he, overall he had a very good game. Yeah, I know there was one special from one particular bookmaker, 80-plus, uh, was $3, and it was looking very average halfway through yeah. <laughs> with one yard, but ending up on 93, they... Got the chocolates, the punters out there. Uh, I did see a text come through, and I think this is important given it was a big discussion point yesterday, probably still is over there in the States. If you get paid millions of dollars a year to coach a football team, this one allegedly from Kyle Shanahan in San Fran, if you get paid millions of dollars a year to coach a football team, do you think it would be important to understand the overtime rules? Now, my understanding, I don't want to defend Kyle again, but my understanding, his, his understanding of the rules is great. But maybe tactically, he may have erred in terms of opting to have the football first. Yeah, tactically, and also the communication between him and his players. Um, you know, Kyle Yuschek uh, came out after the game and said he didn't he didn't know the rules, the overtime rules, uh, and it's to be understood because I watched the game and I wasn't completely sure. I knew that both teams got a chance to score and that if they still had the same number of points after two possessions, we would have a third possession. So I knew that, but I kept looking at the clock and I was like, what the heck is going to happen when the clock goes to zero? And I didn't know. And a lot of people Mm. didn't know. Um, And then it was explained that it's, it's just basically the game starting over again and you would play four more quarters if you needed to. But you know, to, my response would be, well, what do you need the clock for in the in the first place? Then, if you're just going to keep playing a game until somebody, until the next team scores on a, on an odd series, you know, either the third series or the or the fifth series of the game, um, I can understand why Kyle Shanahan wanted the ball first. He wanted to give his defense a little bit of a rest. They'd been on the field at the end of that game. Again, we're always looking for the scapegoat, right? We're yeah, always looking exactly for the guy right. to blame when exactly they lose a big right. game. And everybody's pointing the finger at Kyle Shanahan. I think he's probably taken a little bit too much heat uh, for this loss. Well, Kansas City, they will always be there or thereabouts with Patrick Mahomes. But what about the 49ers now, Dick? Where do they go? Are they, have they still got the team that's going to be there competing next year? 
And is Brock Purdy, are they, I think he's got one year to go on his contract. Is this something that they will look at him in that game and go, right, we'll extend him, or they'll just wait and see? Well, they can wait until the end of next year to extend him because technically he's got two years left, but everybody renegotiates at the end of that, the, the, before their final year of their contract. So they'll have to make a decision on Brock Purdy uh, by the end of next year. And Brock Purdy showed to be a good quarterback. Um, he did not show to be able to make those pivotal plays down the stretch. He had two plays with guys wide open for touchdowns. One of them was, you know, I'll give a tip of the cap to Chris Jones for really getting in his face on that long pass uh, going from right to left on your screen. But the other one going from left to right, he had a guy wide open in the end zone. He needs to make that play. And what I thought was interesting is that everybody criticized Jimmy Garoppolo in 2020 for missing his wide receiver that potentially would have won the game for for uh, for San Francisco over Kansas City. But nobody's really criticizing Brock Purdy for missing two wide open wide receivers. So Purdy's a good quarterback. He's an extreme value at what he's making right now, which is basically nothing. He's not going to be a good value when they have to pay him after next year. So for next year, they're a viable Super Bowl contender. The minute they start paying Brock Purdy $40-plus million a year, they know they cease to become a viable Super Bowl contender, in my opinion, because they can't pay the rest of their players. Sunday Red. As it turns out, Tiger Woods, he's not running out of money just yet. And in good news, <laughs> uh, Laurie thinks that his new line will be mm. a success, uh, which I think will... Um, very much so, Dick. Very bit, much so. I've invested in it. Uh, Loz will buy a T-shirt. Is there much discussion about it over there? I'm sure there is. Yeah, there is. Um, you know, there's there's thumbs up and thumbs down on the on the brand, on the look, on the the, the Sunday red um, moniker. You know, I think Tiger Woods is going to sell plenty of merchandise. I don't think that's the question. What we need to see is we need to see a competitive Tiger Woods. That doesn't mean Tiger Woods needs to be in the top 10 in every tournament he plays. But I want to see him come out at Riviera this week and make the cut. And he should make the cut. I mean, the cut they're only cutting like 15 guys in this whole field. So you have to play pretty badly this week uh, to, to miss the cut. I want to see him play well at Riv. I want to see him go to Augusta and play well at the Masters. Give me a top 25 at the Masters where he just looks like he can still play golf at a high level. And I think that will help his brand more than anything because there's a lot of people that don't remember a lot about Tiger Woods in his heyday. You get kids, you know, my, my son's age, he's 14, he loves golf. Yeah, he remembers the Tour Championship a couple years ago. He remembers Tiger winning in 2019. He doesn't remember anything else about Tiger Woods' career. So that's, you know, to get the kids, he's going to have to still go out there and compete with the best of the best. What about this weekend, Dick? NBA All-Star Weekend. Uh, what can we expect? Oh, boy, guys. Um, <laughs> i got to be honest with you. I, I haven't even turned the page to the NBA yeah. yet. So I have been so involved in the, uh, in, in the NFL. Um, the, the NBA All-Star game will be fun. There will be no defense. The score will be like 180 to 175 like it always is. But these All-Star games, guys, just every, every sport now, the All-Star game is – you know, other than baseball, it's kind of the one that still has a little bit of cachet to it. People will like the the three point shootout, the, the the slam dunk, and it's kind of like something will step up and be remarkable this weekend. We don't know what it'll be. Maybe it'll be Steph Curry against Sabrina Ionescu in the three point shootout. That might uh, that might take the headlines. Maybe somebody steps up and does an unbelievable dunk in the dunk contest. That may take the headlines. Maybe the game will be great. I just can't tell you which of the three will be great at this point. I can't believe I'm asking this, but one parting thing before you go, Dick. We've got the 2025 Super Bowl market open, uh, and I just <laughs> wanted to get your thoughts on these prices. So Kansas City Chiefs at $7.50, San Fran $7.50, Baltimore eight fifty, Buffalo $10, Dallas Cowboys 15 Bengals 15 and the Lions $15. Amongst those at the top end of betting, are there any that you think could be knocking off the likes of Kansas City or San Fran? Well, what's interesting now is that you you mentioned that San Fran and Kansas City are the same. Whereas as soon as the Super Bowl ended, San Fran was, I believe, five fifty, and Kansas City was seven fifty. So look what the early money has done. The early money has gone on Kansas City now to tie San Francisco for number one in the betting, and I would go there as well. I mean, I think uh, until Patrick Mahomes gets knocked off in the Super Bowl with a full complement of players around. Remember the one time he lost, he had no offensive line. 
The rest of the times he's played in the Super Bowl, he's won. So I think, I believe it, believe it or not, I actually think five fifty six dollars isn't terrible value, or even $7 isn't terrible value on, uh, on Kansas City. The team I'm kind of keeping an eye on right now, Joe Burrow is back for the Cincinnati Bengals. And remember, Joe Burrow is the one man that has ever knocked out Patrick Mahomes to get to a Super Bowl. So, you know, I liked Cincinnati at what, 20? Yeah, 15. 15. $15. I like that way better. I mean, you're just throwing, you know what I think about the Cowboys. You're throwing your money away if you're giving 15 (laughs) to 1 on the Dallas Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? They got to get there first before they can win one. But uh, Joe Burrow has at least been to the Super Bowl before. So I'd uh, I'd take Kansas City up top. And I'd take Cincinnati ahead of pretty much all those teams in that, you know, 10 to 1 to 20 to 1 range. Dick, love your help as always. It was fantastic build up to the Super Bowl and it didn't disappoint as well. The Chiefs too good though. We'll chat again soon. Sounds good, boys. Uh, look for your old man, Ozzy Adam Scott, to do pretty well at Riviera this week. You might want to put a shekel on him for a top 10. Thank you very much. Will do. Yeah, he's certainly right. been playing a, a little bit better the last little bit. Thanks very much to Dick Fain. Always great to get his thoughts. And can I just say, guys, I'm not in this chair too often. What a guest he is. Oh, he's, oh, he's a legend. He yeah. is so across genius everything yep. that it's just remarkable. Great to have your company here on the Big Sports Breakfast. Laurie Daly, Michael Clark, and Ben Way taking you through the morning. Loving these suggestions coming through. So being Valentine's Day, we thought this was a nice opportunity to talk about those love affairs you have in sport. And they may not make any sense. You may have watched a replay 5,000 times, but it doesn't matter. It just warms your heart that little bit watching those highlights or thinking back to those stars. As I mentioned, Marco from Blacktown had given Maradona a push. Uh, The two goals against England in the Mexico World Cup, the hand of God. Uh, We've had Pat Richards mention a few references in regards to the Super Bowl as well. I did laugh at Dino from Hidden Valley. His suggestion was the ball of the century from the fella playing for Q8. Did you see that the other day? No, I didn't. It went eight kilometres in the air. Yep. Landed a metre and a half outside uh, off stump. Yep. Right angle. Yep. Took out leg. There you go. It Better was, than Warnie's. Well, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Dino uh, reckons that it might have Warnie covered. Okay. It was... Oh, how fast would Warnie's delivery have been? Mid-130s? Mid no, nah, no, no. Slower than that. Not that quick? I reckon he's... I think he said... I think he used to say when he was at his best, he was around that 75 to 78 oh, miles. Oh, miles. Yes. Right, okay. Well, I reckon... If we're comparing, I reckon this was going 20 miles per hour. Oh, really? It, it was that slow. But anyway, it okay. is worth... I'll show you during a break. Uh, what were the other suggestions that we had coming through? A young whippersnapper from Juni as he took his first goal kick in Origin. He didn't strike it well and it trickled about <laughs> no. five metres. That one... No, it didn't trickle. It hit the, the corner the post. <laughs> 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 oh, dear. Oh, dear. Uh, righto. So I'll keep going through them. Beaver Menzies running it off cliff lines and also Paige Spiranak. I dare say for differing reasons, although I do always tell Beaver that he's a, a fair looker. Sam Curl's World Cup goal against England last year over and over and over until the day I die. That one from Paul from Terrigal. A few questioning Mahomes winning the MVP, which is interesting. We didn't put that to Dick, but we did have a a decent chat with him. Maybe next time he's on, that's another discussion point for him. And Alex Carey stumping of Bearstow in the ashes, that one from Chris. He said, it's not so much the dismissal, but I could listen to the Poms whinge forever. And that is a fair point. While you may have differing opinions on the act itself, I could watch it and smile. Till the day I die. Because the reaction was just so funny. Uh, Fitzy, I've got a bone to pick with you. He said, my favourite sporting moment was when Benway said, Origin is done and should be finished. Now, that is factually incorrect. I'm being misquoted. What I did did say... What did you say? Well, that's a fair question. What I did say was that Aussie Rules invented the Origin concept. It was then perfected by the NRL. And I think there'll come a point in the NRL in the future where clubs are less inclined to send their players to Origin for fear of them getting injured, similar to the NBA All-Star game and things like that. 
I, 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 I wouldn't write it off, but I, I, I hope, hope I'm yeah, wrong. Yeah. But I, I, I don't wrong. think it'll happen in the foreseeable future. Yeah, but I, but I, I, I wouldn't say it can't happen because mm. clubs agitate for their players to, to pull out of you know, games. Uh, and I can understand why, because they're paying them. But while ever the players want to be a part of it, you'll always have that resistance for change. Um, but there's a cash cow too involved with State of Origin. 100%. So they've got to realise that, yes, if you don't want State of Origin, then a lot of money that 100%. goes into your coffers will not be there. Yeah. The inclusiveness can work against it as well, because there was, uh, with AFL, for example... They tried to include the Allies and mm. WA. Now, the rivalry between South Australia, WA, that's maybe a bit unfair on them, but South Australia, Victoria and WA, it was fantastic. They tried to incorporate the rest with an Allies concept and a few other things, and it just completely broke the model. And we always have that fight in regards to New South Wales and Queensland, two others trying to get in on it because it is such a cash mm. cow. Mm. But the restrictions what makes it great. So for what it's worth, I love Origin. <laughs> And I don't think it's done. And I certainly hope it's not finished anytime soon. Uh, so don't forget to send those texts through. The text line 0419767272 and the open line 135353. You have a big job ahead of you, Loz. The Parramatta Reels. So you've been going through team by team. Yeah, we and, have. And if this wasn't the greatest underachievement of 2023, I don't know what was. From a team... In the NRL, I think they were the greatest disappointment. So to finish the season 10th, 12-12, and 12, what's your prediction for 2024? Oh, they're more than capable of playing finals. They've got a roster and they've got some good depth, in particular in their forwards. I think we've got to remember, they had a horrible start, obviously, to the year last year. They lost their opening three games. And it felt like they were chasing their tail from there on in. But what we forget is that they had six of their uh, grand final side missing Mm. coming into 2024. So six out of the 17 were missing. And in that first month of football, they actually had eight of their grand final side missing. So eight of their 17 were missing. So that that feels like a total rebuild. There wouldn't be too many teams that have played a grand final one year, come into the following year and have that amount of players missing. So I reckon that was one of the reasons why they started poorly. And I reckon it took them a while to find their rhythm. And then they ran into trouble along the way with injuries. And then they found trouble with Dylan Brown. Spent a fair portion of the season on the sideline. So I I reckon there was reasons for Parramatta not playing as well as they did last year. If they're going to have a good year, obviously it's their forwards. And I think they've got good depth there. You look at Paulo. Campbell Gillard, Lane, Madison, Wurumu Greg, uh, I think is someone that will have a breakout year. I think he's just starting to get used to the NRL and the speed of it. Bryce Cartwright had his best year in grade. Um, Joe Offerhengawi is is there. Um, so I think they've got certainly uh, a, a good forward pack to compete with all the, the teams in the, the NRL. And their halves, Dylan Brown, Mitch Moses, arguably the best combination. You, you, you could make a case for them being the best seven and six. Um, Moses played, I thought, with more control last year, and that's what we've always wanted to see from Mitch. His selection of what play was required at the right moment, I thought was impressive. Um, and he played with that maturity and consistency that we've always looked for. In particular, when you're a talented player, you've got all the skills, you've got the bag of tricks there, but it's just about using which one at which particular moment in the game. Um, We spoke about Dylan Brown. He missed the back end and obviously he let his side down, but he needs to put that behind him, which I'm sure he will, and take a little bit of pressure off Mitch. Um, You know, he needs to look at sort of short sides as a half. He needs to get his... Uh, hands on the ball uh, from wide shifts. He's got to have options uh, inside and out and just showcase his talents. And one of his talents is his strength, and and his strength is his ball running. You know, I I think he's a strong ball runner. Um, And if he wants to go to that next level, I think he's just got to combine everything that he's got and bring it to the table consistently Um, because he's good at identifying numbers. He's good at sort of looking up and seeing where, you know, slow 
uh, forwards are, are defending and, and, and challenging them with, with the ball. But it was interesting to talk with Justin Morgan yesterday, the assistant coach from the Cowboys, talking about how they're changing their style. And it'll be interesting to see what the Eels do this year with their attacking style. Mm. Because I always feel that the the, the 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 Eels in particular in 2023 were good when they were offloading the ball and playing off the cuffs sort of style footy. And I think that's coming more into vogue in the NRL, playing more about reacting to the play the ball rather than reacting to your system. And your system could be very structured, but I think you've got to play outside the structure. It, with that one, Laws, is that, is that really dictated by Brad Arthur? Because I feel like I feel like Brad, who we spoke to the other day, and he sounded super positive, upbeat. He always does, but but yeah. but I feel like he's been under pressure for, or certainly been spoken about for the last four years. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. where, where does where does he need this team to finish for us to not be talking about Brad Arthur? Uh, well, see, I, I think Brad's a really good coach. Yeah, I, and yeah. I think he's done terrifically well f- for Parramatta, but yep. because they haven't won a comp, yeah. And it's been so long, that's where the pressure starts to come from outside. But internally, I, I like Brad's honesty. Yeah, I thought he spoke. I, I, really every well time you hear Brad Arthur speak, there's no bullshit there. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's the way that he would talk to his players. And I think, regardless of who you are, sometimes you need that information to be forthright, mm. and you need that information to be. Given to you, so you understand it. Yeah, and, and, I, and, and I reckon with Brad, yeah. it, there's no grey area. You, you actually know where you stand. So I think that's a that's a really good thing. Um, and, and I, but you know, surely the I'd fans, be happy with Brad Brad Arthur coaching my football team. Yeah, surely the fans can't say, "Well, if Brad if they don't Parra don't win the comp, Brad Arthur's gone." It, it can't be that black and white. Surely there's got to be some like we're just having a conversation with Dick about the forty nine. Mm-hmm. Mate, they still made the Super Bowl. Yeah, so. And they played well in that's the Super Bowl. Like, if, if, if they can, if the Panth- uh, if Parra can make the eight, yeah, yeah. like I, I know you well, want to I, win well, the comp, yeah. but well, I think that's an eight side. Okay, all right. I, I think that, that they're capable of making the eight. Yeah. They're going to have to everything go their way. Yeah. Do I see them as a premiership winning team right here, right now? Looking at that side, possibly not. I don't see them as good as a Penrith, possibly a Broncos, South Roosters. Um, I, I don't see them in that, that echelon. Okay. Um, but you never know because a couple of years ago when they made that grand final, they improved as the season went on and I started to believe they could win the comp. Well, I you just mentioned injuries as well. If, yeah. you know, if one of these big four that you talk about, if, mate, they might get injuries as well. That does, surely that does bring a team And then like bring them back, back into, the, into, the equation. into the equation, into yeah. the conversation. So, look, I, I think thing, all things being equal, I, I think they're a very good side. And they'll be more than competitive this year. And I expect them to win more games than what they won last year. So what did they win last year? 12? I think around 12 to 14 wins a game. 12 to 15 wins would be would be acceptable. Well, 12 would more than likely have them missing again. I, I, see, I, I think I don't this think year, that'll be seen as acceptable. No, but, I, but I, I think... You think got to make the eight? I think they've got yeah, to make I, the eight. I, yeah, I okay. think this year, I think it'll be one of the tightest we've seen, the competition. And I think 12 possibly could get you in. I think you can Well, lose. last year, what did you say? 13. So 13 got you in. The year before, 12 got you in. Yeah, okay. So you lost more games than you won. I think that could be the case because I can see a lot of these teams knocking off each other. Mm. So pass mark? Pass mark, oh, for... pass mark for me would be your, your 12 to 15 range, which puts them squarely in the On frame. For, yeah. for So six to eight. Yep. Yep. Okay. I, I, I reckon they should be... They should be 10 to, 10 to 6, you know, somewhere around there in terms of where they finish on the ladder. So Gav has sent a text through. Ben, let Loza know that based on wins, he already has three teams making the eight, leaving five final spots for the final nine previews. So at this stage, Panthers, Broncos and Storm. Yeah, but you could have 10 teams yeah. in the, at that, have, n- around that number eight mark. That's, I think that's what Loz is saying. So what saying I'm saying, you could have, have 10 teams yeah, on 12 wins. Yeah, Then exactly it comes right. down to yeah, only points two, four and yeah. against. So I don't know what you're getting at there, Gav. Yeah, and I haven't done my eight yet. <laughs> yeah, nah. So I'm just saying where I rate them, where yeah. I see them yeah. finishing between, you know, 10 and, and six. I think you should have to place them. Well, yeah, but he, will, no, does, he does do I his top will. eight I at do the moment. Top yeah, he does but do at the top moment, eight. we're just giving you a yeah. preview of the season. I'm not giving them a ranking where I think they 
finish up. Yeah. I'm giving them a ranking on how many games I think they should be looking at winning. So, so again, Kev, just hold fire. So Kev, yeah, give him, you Kev, 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 give him, yes. give him a couple of weeks, Kevin. Yes. We, we haven't started troll games yet. And it's yet. like when I spoke about the West Tigers. <laughs> yeah. Like surely they're winning more than four games. So yes, they will improve because people say, "Oh, you've got everyone improving." I said, "Yeah, I have got some of those teams at the bottom improving mm. because I think they'll improve." But that doesn't mean they'll make the eight. Yeah. It's just that they'll improve this year, and there'll be some teams that are ranked higher or finished higher on the ladder, that you'll probably have about the same mark or you'll have not winning as many games. But if they don't win as many games, and I still think they can make the four, is that a successful season or is it a good season? I think any time you're making the top four, that's that's good. But you mightn't win the same amount of games as you did the previous year because you mightn't need to. So it's like making the eight. You might need... You might only have to win 12 games to make the eight. Yeah. Some more sporting love affairs making their way through along the text line. Ariana Titmus's swimming coach going absolutely nuts when she won gold. Never gets old. Love him or hate him. Conor McGregor's press conferences. They are must-watch <laughs> viewing as well. From uh, B from C sending that one through. The other one, where were we? I had to go up a, a little way here to find this one. Boys, it has to be Darren Albert scoring the winning try in 97 with the voice of Ray Rabbits Warren. Albert will score. Abbott will score. Newcastle have won the grand final. Gives me goosebumps every time. Greeny from Newey. We also got reliably informed that Shane Warne's average bowling pace, 48 miles per hour at highest 70 kilometres. Okay, there you yeah, go. 78 Kilometers per hour average. So his flipper's probably getting in just short a of a hundred. Did you say one thirty? I said one thirty. Yeah. A I was, lot sl- I was well, no. Well, you look at someone. Well, someone like Nathan Lyon, <laughs> he would be. He'd be. He'd be a hundred k's plus. I reckon. Really. He, he, like Warney was a lot slower mm. than how you see spinners these days. Sort of about twenty twenty cricket played. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon. I reckon. Ly- when Lino's at his best, I reckon. He, I reckon he's. He'd be. He'd be ninety, just under ninety. Just under ninety. But yeah. he's still when you're batting. Significantly faster than Warney. Warney was Warney was quite slow. Yeah, but Warney tossed it up though. Yeah, didn't he? and yeah. again, eighty-nine point three, yeah. the average for Nathan, Nathan Lyon. Lyon. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, big big difference. But again, back of the hand is is also different to front of the hand. But someone like Zampa, Zampa's fast because twenty twenty cricket. You don't yeah. want players to be able to get down the wicket. So, but Zampa again doesn't spin his leg spinner, but spins it a tiny bit. Warney's the one stock ball is his greatest weapon. Yeah. A massive spinning leg spinner. Yeah. And what he did before the ball bounced was the best I'd, I ever seen. All the right. drift in the so, air. So can you be a, and there's probably great examples, but I just can't think off the top of my head. As an off spinner, yep. can you give it more flight? Than a leg spinner, yeah, probably, oh, probably not because you don't no revs. you don't have as many revs on the ball out the front of your hand as you do right. out the back. Was of your there hand. an off spinner that gave it a Tim May? Tim May, yeah, oh. quite slow. Peter Taylor, oh. those two tossed it up, yep. and again, those two, uh, um, Jason Crazier, another one. What those three spinners would you would you would see the ball drift away from a right hander because they'd really try and spin it, and it would be a little bit. But I think times as well. I think. Yeah, uh, you know, different eras. They bowl. I think spin in general was quite. Apart from Harbhajan Singh and Anil Kumble, both very yeah. fast as a leg spinner and an yeah. off spinner. But Tim May quite slow through the yeah. air, drift away from the right hand. Only reason back. I say I, I was watching that uh, is it Ravinder, the bloke from New Zealand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I, I saw him. He, he was strong. Yeah, and yeah. they drop and they yeah. dip yeah. quite late. Yeah. And I was watching the, there yesterday, and I hadn't seen an off spinner. or couldn't that. remember one. Yeah, just I, I saw a couple of balls. And the, and you look like you're sitting there watching yourself. Well, mate, why don't you just go down? Quite there, yeah. yeah well, why, why don't you use your feet and get down to him? But it was strength just really, of a spinner to get someone out in the really air dropped. before the ball even bounced. You know yeah. the other one that used to get a lot of drift and tossed it right up was Saywag. So part-time spinner. But, mate, he used to drift the ball away as much as any yeah, off spinner right. I faced. Yeah, but yeah, again, see, Warney always thought he thinks spin bowling, bowlers are bowling too fast now as spinners. Mm. He would still, if he was playing twenty twenty cricket now, even in that format, at times he would go even slower. He'd take all the pace off the ball. 
So different mindset as well. Adam Bengilly's on the line. Great to have you on the show once again, Adam. We've got some great racing coming up to look forward to. Yeah, morning, Ben. Morning, boys. Yeah, it's going to be a, a big weekend, isn't it, Ben? Group 1 racing down in um, in Melbourne at Flemington. And then we're slowly warming up the Autumn Carnival up here in Sydney with a, with some nice stakes races. We're getting to the Group 1s in a, in a couple of weeks' time. No, it's going to be brilliant, that's for sure. I did see that there were cutbacks regarding Queensland integrity. Tell me more. Yeah, this is an interesting story. I, I hate it when I see this sort of stuff, Ben, that we I understand that money's tight these days, but there's some suggestions that the Queensland Racing Integrity Commission wanted to cut back the amount of vets on, on track and also swab handlers as well. Thankfully, there's been a bit of a backlash from participants and even stewards up there saying, hey, we, we can't afford to do this. Integrity needs to be at the absolute forefront of everything we, we, we do. So... After that, I suppose, protest, if you can put it in those terms, that the, the QRIC has decided to, hey, we won't, we're not going to do that and then push ahead with that plan and, and hopefully have as many people on, on track handling those sort of things as possible. So, yeah, it's good news, and sometimes people power can win out, Ben. Uh, Adam, what's the latest update on this young South Australian apprentice that uh, fell in track work yesterday? Yeah, horrible news, Loz. Uh, Chelsea Reynolds had a really bad track work fall um, at a private property just a little bit south of Adelaide. She was rushed to hospital. The latest report was last night that she was in um, a critical condition and with quote-unquote traumatic injury. So we'll wait here a little bit more, hopefully this morning, from Racing South Australia. But everyone's thoughts and prayers are with her and her family. Obviously, it's been an extremely harrowing 24 hours um obviously the update today will be extremely crucial so let's hope we get some good news on that front a little bit later today have you been seeing them mate we're after a tip but i want to know your recent form before i launch in myself uh last couple of weeks have been pretty rough ben to be fair i was going i started the year 2024 relatively well i think so we're going okay but um yeah last couple of weeks haven't been too good so we need to try and get back on track, Ben, because the uh, the big races are just around the corner up here in Sydney. We need to try and get some form before we hit the uh, hit the carnival. We certainly do. There are some good juvenile races there on the Kenzo track today, but you've got one in the last you're keen on. Yeah, I do like one in the last. Race 7, number 13, Smart Legend. Now, as it stands right now, he still needs to get a run. He's still one scratching short of getting a run. But I thought his first up run was just acceptable enough. I think I actually backed him on that day. Um, he was blown away by Winchard on that occasion, but he should get a bit of a softer run, I'd imagine, from that inside gate there today. And with natural improvement with his fitness and up, up in trip a little bit, I think it's going to suit him down to the ground. So right down on 57 kilos to Andy Atkins. I think race seven, number 13, smart legend. Looks the best bet on the program to me today. Love it. Have a good day. See you, boys.